welcome to a special bonus episode of Cinemaholics this week. Look, the content's been flying at us these last couple of months. So many things have come our way, and we want to take some time to discuss a new miniseries that has just finished its six-episode run on HBO. This is it. This is the time to talk about it before everyone forgets about it. Or maybe that's not the case, because it's a very memorable show. As always, I'm John Agurney, host of the Cinemaholics main show. And with me to pod against America today, it's a terrible joke, but I had to do it, is the one and only Emily Kubin-Kanek. Emily, how are you this afternoon? I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's wonderful to have you here. Uh, we haven't had you on since the Portrait of a Lady on Fire episode. So in case people have forgotten uh, your work since then, uh, I guess that was a couple of months ago now, uh, where, where are you at on the internet these days? Um, I am still writing for Film School Redux. You can find my stuff on filmschoolredux.com and One Perfect Shot on Twitter. And my own Twitter is Emily Kub, K-U-B underscore. Right, which I always read as like Emily Cub, you know, and so that's what <laughs> confuses me sometimes when I have to ask mm-hmm. you to remind me <laughs> the correct way to pronounce your last name. Um, but yes, definitely go seek out M's work. It is wonderful, and we of course love um, the stuff you've contributed to Cinemaholics as well. And uh, I'm excited to talk about the plot against America with you uh, because we both have seen this. And uh, as soon as I saw that you finished the show as well, I really wanted to reach out and discuss it with you because it's the kind of show that feels like it was made to be discussed and analyzed mm-hmm. and prodded. And so prepare yourself. This is going to be a very political show, I think, because that is the. Uh, inciting incident of this show is it's about politics and it's about how we talk about political struggles and the political differences when a certain country is a little bit polarized. So that's kind of what you're going to be in for. And of course, we'll talk about everything with this show in terms of the way it's made and how its drama is served, honestly. So what Mm -hmm. is the plot against America? It's an alternate history take on what would have happened if in 1940, Franklin Delano Roosevelt had lost the 1940 election right before America would be attacked by Pearl Harbor and thus thrown into World War II, kind of ensuring that America and the Allies would have won. <laughs> because uh, if that not had happened, Hitler, of course, probably would have won World War II. But this show isn't really about war. It doesn't really depict a lot of scenes to that nature. It really centers around a Jewish family in New Jersey struggling to grapple with a new reality they have to face, where Charles Lindbergh, who, real-life person, has been elected as the Republican in 1940 over Franklin Delano Roosevelt. And the show analyzes how this could have happened. It's a it-could-happen-here kind of show to show this man who was, by all intents and purposes at this point, an American hero. Uh, He flew the Atlantic Ocean, uh, I think it was like in 32, 33 hours, Uh, He was well-liked around the country, and the series is based on a novel by Philip Roth, which he wrote uh, in the early 2000s, I think it was 2004. And, you know, he's he talked about in the book that one of the reasons he thinks that Charles Lindbergh would have won is because he had that charisma, he had that charm, he had an ability to defeat FDR, which fascinated him and thus prompted him to write this book. And now, almost 20 years later, 16 years later, David Simon, who uh, has created some shows you've probably really enjoyed, probably most notably The Wire, as well as uh, Ed Burns, have adapted 
this book into a miniseries. Uh, Philip Roth sadly passed away in 2018, but he did consult on the show when they were making it. And in many ways, unlike its predecessor, The Plot Against America, the miniseries, is being heralded by a lot of people as something that's very prescient and very applicable to our political times today. So, Emily, I want to know from you, going into this series, before you even started episode one, did you know what you were in for with this show? Did you know what this was going to be? Honestly, I mean... I knew a vague understanding of the story, but I didn't, I was really in for whatever they were giving us. Um, I remember seeing the set photos from Zoe Kazan's social media and like, I love the style of this time period. And so I was instantly interested in what was going to happen, but I didn't read the book. And so I really did not have any idea of what they were going to cover in this. So I was pleasantly surprised. Same here. Same here. I did not know the story yet. I also have not read the book. And so I've done my best to try to catch up on some of the main differences between the book and the series. I came across an interview actually between Philip Roth and Katie Couric back in 2004, where she is sort of pushing him to be like, did you write this book to be about the George Bush administration? Philip Roth, of course, was pretty staunch critic of the Bush administration at that point, but he said, no, it's it's not really supposed to connect with current events. And so it's kind of interesting to see that David Simon has decisively looked at this story as something that maybe people should take away as a cautionary tale, perhaps, uh, in today's day and age. So you mentioned Zoe Kazan. Let's talk about the cast here. Zoe Kazan is the wife of a, uh, a man who's kind of married to his radio. He's played by Morgan Spector. We also have Winona Ryder, who I was surprised to see in kind of not as the leading role, but as a very critical role all the same. She is Zoe Kazan's character. Her name is Bess Levin. Uh, Bess's sister, Evelyn, is played by Winona Ryder. We also have Anthony Boyle as Alvin Herman Levin's orphaned nephew, who is a little bit younger. And then we have these pair of kids. One of them you might recognize from Marriage Story. Um, Azzy Robertson plays Philip. And then you have his older brother, Sandy Levin, played by Caleb Malice. And finally, John Turturro pops up in this as well. He is Rabbi Lionel Bengelsdorf, who is a, uh, though he is Jewish, he is a huge supporter of Charles Lindbergh and possibly reason why Lindbergh is able to ascend to the presidency in the early episodes of this show. So Emily, what did, what did you think of this cast? Who stood out to you and why? I thought the cast was really great. I was surprised by Winona. I've never really seen her in a role like this before, but I really loved what she did with the character of Evelyn, who is not unlikable, but she makes some decisions that are questionable. But I think that her performance makes her extremely interesting. And I loved Zoe Kazan's performance. She does a great job of like not playing the typical wife character and kind of I don't know. She becomes a a big part of the series. And I just like what she did with the character of the mom. Right. We have to dance around it because her big moment certainly comes in the final episode where Mm -hmm. she absolutely takes the reins as what I what I would consider the show's secret weapon, Um, Mm -hmm. which shouldn't really be a secret considering her excellent filmography. And uh, I don't know, I can't remember seeing her in past television work, but wonderful to see her here, of course, sometimes combating not just Winona Ryder's character, but Morgan Spector as her husband. I really appreciated how she was really the show's moral center. And there is a wonderful long shot that happens in the final episode where she is trying to comfort a young child 
who she sees as her responsibility and uh, just the way this this long take is shot, the way it really frames her as trying to keep everything together when all chaos is unfolding, it kind of speaks to what I think generally this show is absolutely capturing well, which is the slow descent into an atmosphere of turmoil for the real victims of fascism. And the show does not pull back on the effects of fascism and the fact that it could happen very easily in America. So how, how did you grapple with that, Emily, as someone who's watching this and maybe considering your political persuasions, you were, were you feeling a lot of the connection to today's events? Yeah, I think the show is definitely not shy about connecting it to the like current situation. And I appreciated that. I think it could have been a little more subtle in some points, but I think the overall feeling of seeing the everyday effects of Charles Lindbergh being elected and seeing how this specific family is affected by that is something that we don't normally see in stories about fascist countries and stuff. And so I, I really enjoyed seeing that. And it kind of made me think about, you know, the small things that can lead to bigger consequences mm. in country like this. Right. It's incremental, which uh, I think is probably one of the more authentic capturings in this show is that it really is saying these things don't happen all at once. Uh, the show takes place over the course of a couple of years. So not a, a lot of time, but definitely enough time for the show to lay out step by step. It starts with this, it starts with this, and it can be difficult to watch at times as we see the person who understands this and he feels like a, a prophet in many ways, which is Herman Levin, um, who is the father who, again, is listening to the radio and he yells and he screams and he's he's so outraged by everything that's happening. And the people around him sort of look at him as a little bit unhinged, as a little bit of like, calm down, things aren't that bad. And we have to sort of watch and, and understand that even though we might not like his behavior, what he's saying we know as the audience is true and he has a right to be frightened. And so this is an interesting show and the way it sort of plays with the audience's knowledge of history, which is very similar to the book. Although the book, from my understanding, is mostly from the perspective of Philip, the youngest son. Uh, that is, of course, the namesake of the author, Philip Roth. They did change the last name, so it's uh, yeah. Levin instead of Roth in this book, um, because Philip Roth, the author, did grow up around this time and based a lot of the stories of his family around what we would see in the book and then later the show to my understanding. And I think that central element of the show, the family, the community, it rings of a lot of David Simon's other work. Uh, for me, it definitely worked to create a lived in place and atmosphere. Would you agree with that? And how do you think all of that played out for you? Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I feel like that, that was what made this show interesting for me because the family dynamic between the Levens, they, a lot, you know, the father believes that his views are right. And Sandy thinks that his perspective is right. And Alvin, when he's home, they're always at odds with each other. And I think they all represent the different perspectives of the time all within one household. And so it's always like a fuse just waiting to be blown because every time they're together, no one can really keep their thoughts to themselves. They're all very boisterous. And I think seeing the issues of this time played out in just one family dynamic is really smart and personal for me. And I think that's why this show works a lot. 
I, I think, yes, it, one of the reasons the show probably resonates with a lot of people is the fact that the point of views are limited. We don't spend a lot of time with Charles Lindbergh. We don't spend a lot of time with many of these characters who are real avatars for history, including Henry mm-hmm. Ford, Hitler himself, of course. Uh, they're sort of background characters. They're sort of shaping the world, and we spend way more quality time with the Levins. And and how do these decisions and how do these world events shape them? We hear about World War II and the state of things through their radios and their massive uh, newspapers, which I appreciated saying. Um, it, it's, all, it's all wonderfully done, I think. And I think that it's a, a focus story in that way. Although there were times where I wondered to myself, where is this the book and where is this the show? When it's focusing on Philip, for example, very early in the show and, and his experiences, I felt this like tinge of nostalgia that the show was trying to relate to this kid that felt disconnected from what I thought the show was about. There are a lot of scenes with Philip and a close friend of his in the first couple of episodes, and we're following him sort of opening his eyes to the world for the first time. I'm a little undecided on this element of the show. I'm not sure if it works for me or if I'm missing something, but uh, did did you catch anything that I might have missed? I feel like, and we'll probably talk about more of this later, the first couple episodes were a little hard for me to get into just because I could tell they were doing a lot of world building. And I think, honestly, the show takes a lot from Philip's perspective and kind of seeing it's about him growing up and learning a lot about the world while also being in this specific time. And so those moments where he's seeing a different kind of family dynamic with his friend in um, their apartment and then, you know, the neighbor character, I think those scenes kind of define what he sees later on in the show if that makes sense but i do agree i when watching them you're like what does this really have to do with you know uh limberg's presidency but i i think in the final episodes that kind of character arc if you will makes sense to me I think that's a very interesting observation, especially because we do get to know a young boy named Selden, whose character certainly pays off in a very huge way. It's very critical to uh, some key moments that happen with Herman, for example. Herman has to do something in the final episode that is in many ways very heroic and also very scary. And there's a big moment between him and Sandy, who they've been at odds throughout this whole, this whole show. Uh, we, we find out pretty pretty early that Sandy is far more sympathetic to Charles Lindbergh and very skeptical of the way his Jewish family and the Jewish community perceives the Nazis and the way they, they perceive how America should deal with the war by staying out of it. And mm-hmm. I think there's some really uh, some some tense moments there where you understand in some ways where they're coming from, because I'm certainly not a pro-war person. And I, I don't like the idea of America entering conflicts that will end lives. But the show does take pains to address at least the conversation people should have about when is violence necessary, when is war necessary, and the morality of war and, and how all of that works. And those things I did find a little bit more subtle than some of the elements we were talking about earlier, which might not have been quite as subtle. Uh, there, okay. There's some heavy handedness in the show, absolutely. Uh, but let's talk about Sandy a little bit as well. How, how did you feel about this character? I, I kind of was thinking between Sandy, Evelyn, and the rabbi, Winona Ryder and John Turturro, as they become a couple, I found them to be some of the most unlikable characters in uh, in TV that I've seen this year. Eventually, like it takes a, a while for Evelyn to get to that point, I think. But I don't know. What, what, am I being a little unfair? 
I mean, I don't think so. I think anyone in real life, if they saw these people doing these things, they would probably feel the same way. But I think Sandy was really fascinating to me because when you boil down his behavior, it's a lot like normal teenagers. He wanted to be, he wanted to think for himself and do his own things and kind of rebel against his father because his dad is so adamant on what he believes. And I think Sandy is a boy who really wants to learn and have experiences for himself. And sadly, you know, his aunt takes advantage of that. And so I think she definitely shapes a lot of his opinions. But I think Evelyn is a really interesting character as well. I mean, I didn't like the first couple episodes as much as the last few, but what she see what we see her doing she was you know in love with this married man and all she wants to do is really settle down and so I think having a husband is very important to her and so that kind of shows why she does the things she does later on and kind of goes along with things that I think there are definitely moments where she kind of questions it but she kind of ignores that just to stay with someone but I do agree. John Totoro's character is very hard to watch um, because he seems pretty ruthless. But yeah, that's just what I got from those guys. Right. His his denouement takes too long. <laughs> in my mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I, I think uh, we should address too. You know, when a writer is portrayed here as she's a little bit older, she's a spinster, and that is one of her goals. It's one of the things that she wants is to be married and to find her place. And one of the shows kind of surprise revelations, I think, is that at some point, the family you're born with isn't always going to forgive you. And mm-hmm. I think the show really takes pains to that. But sometimes family does come together, right? Uh, one of the reasons I had a hard time watching Sandy, and it's time to get personal, let's do it, is, <laughs> you know, I can I can 100% relate with being a teenager who looks at their father, who is very outspoken and opinionated about politics, hint, hint, I've, I've been in this situation before, down to having the aunt who uh, is far more in political agreement with me than I am with my own father. And so that there, there was a lot of that, those elements where I saw myself in this kid who is very creative, who is very smart and is trying to be open-minded and at the same time is horribly, horribly misguided. But again, it's one of those things where the audience sees it and it's the onus is on uh, Simon's writing and Caleb Malice's performance to help us understand this character and sympathize with them. And I think one of the more touching moments of the show is how Sandy and his father eventually come to a place, we won't say what happens necessarily, but mm-hmm. really just laughing and, and sharing a meal together could be as simple as coming to peace and understanding that even though they, at this point, they still don't agree on most things, there is a a new uh, a new deal, uh, I hate to use that term enough, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, between the, this family and a new, a new reality, especially as uh, I suppose we can at this point go into the later portions of the show. So if you've not seen The Plot Against America, we're, we're about to jump into some things that we do want to bring up because they do inform uh, what I think this show is trying to tell today's audience, and I think it's worth discussing. But to finish things out with a spoiler-free sort of element, I really enjoy this show. I really recommend it. And Emily, it sounds like you you enjoy it as well. And do you, do you think this is a show, how would you say this is for most people? Is it for most people? Is it a must-watch? Where does it land for you? I think it's definitely a must-watch. My family, my dad and I actually watched it together, and we are 
on opposite ends of political views and we both enjoyed it. So I, I do think that it is for everyone. And if you start the show out and feel like, mm, I don't know if I'm feeling this, just know it builds up to a wonderful finale. And I think that makes everything worth it um, in the end. Well said, well said. So unfortunately, I, I watched this show by myself. <laughs> so I'm not sure how a lot of different people are reacting to it. The ratings are a little bit uh, lower than I personally expected. Um, I think the first episode, uh, only 400,000 people watched and they, the ratings kind of dipped from there and crawled back up to, uh, I think uh, the finale was 392,000 people. So I'm not sure how this show is going to really pan out with people. It's, it's certainly not Chernobyl in terms of kind of breaking through culture. Uh, Chernobyl, of course, was the HBO series from last year, <laughs> the miniseries that really caught fire, really wonderful show that sometimes I miss. And um, I think Plot Against America, though, is also very good. It's just a little bit of a quieter show. Um, mm -hmm. Funny enough, uh, surprisingly enough. But all right, this show ultimately ends. And again, we're going to we're gonna just talk about anything that happens in the show. All bets are off. But the show ends with a lot. We could talk about a lot. But I am curious, Emily, what you think of the decision to deviate from the book. It's my understanding that the book ends with FDR being reelected. Lindbergh disappears and he's presumed dead, and mm -hmm. FDR wins re-election in 1942, and history returns to normalcy, and Pearl Harbor attacks happen, the U.S. enters the war, and, and from there, it's like Lindbergh never happened. Now, yeah. David Simon makes the conscious decision, and he said in interviews that this was actually informed by an HBO producer whose idea it was, I forget his name, but the idea was to end it with a, we don't know what happens. We show voter suppression, we show mm -hmm. the election, and that there's no telling what's going to happen in this context. The first lady has been the moral authority to stand up and say that what has happened so far with the treatment of Jews and people of color is wrong. And we are now in this situation where we have a chance for FDR to be reelected, but the show ends with the results just starting to come in and we don't know what happens. How did you read this moment in the show? I personally loved it. I think that ending in the book probably, I don't know, I feel like it fits better 16 years ago. And I yes. think in TV now, Ending on such a like going back and kind of acting like it never happened probably wouldn't sit well with audiences. Um, I think it tells, I think it says a different message that definitely fit with the book. But I personally loved the ending, especially with the song from Frank Sinatra. Like, I think it's America to um, what me. What is America to me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that playing over the burning of ballots and voter suppression and things like that i think it was just really poignant and i think that was like one of the strongest ways the show was able to send its message without being heavy-handed i think it said a lot and it was a really good way to go out i loved the final moments as well i really took it as similarly as it's now up to you <laughs> and you can't sit home and be disengaged because there are forces that will be working to subvert the the will of the voters. Uh, that's a very prescient thing in today's day and age where uh, we currently have a politics that is controlled a lot by money, by corporate donors, by politics that in many cases can be rigged uh, against 
the will of the majority in favor of a very vocal minority of voters who uh, many people in this country would definitely find uh, not the best. Um, Certainly not a one-to-one comparison with the world of 1940, but certainly not uh, devoid of similarities. And so that's the way I took the ending as well, saying it's time to take action and to be outspoken about the actions you take, I think this is summarized really well, especially between the final confrontation between Alvin and his uncle Herman. They get into a fight that is tragic because both of them look down on the other as someone who didn't take action, even though both of them did. Uh, Herman did go on a quest to save a young boy, and Alvin might have been instrumental in this, uh, well, he gave his leg for one thing, but then also he was still, you know, answering a call to aid his country the way he saw it. And because they keep this to themselves and because they're quiet about the actions they take, they misunderstand each other. And so I took this as we understand each other and where we stand on things, if we actually engage and have the courage to put out what we really think and feel about what is happening in America, that is what leads to, I'll have to say it, the change we want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. But uh, yeah, that, that was my takeaway. And uh, I it really ends on a strong note. Was there anything else from the finale that really resonated with you? I just think that's where the tension really ramps up. The whole car ride between Herman and Sandy going to get Zeldin is just so powerful to me. And I think a lot of the show is kind of watching things happen and the family doesn't really have any control over it. And then this, they really experience the danger of it in a way that hasn't been shown in previous episodes. And with Sandy, I think he didn't get to experience a lot of the things that end up shaping his opinion on um, politics in the world. And I think seeing, you know, the KKK members and putting in really realizing why his father is as scared and outspoken as he is really shows a lot. And I, and I understand why he was the way that he was before and to see him change in that car ride is really powerful but also i mean zoe kazan's Bess's role in the end is just so huge for me i think just showing her powerless or seemingly powerless to the situation but knowing that this is really tough for us and but she does have a responsibility and she takes action in a way that i think a lot of us would be too scared to do and seeing that happen was really awesome for me Yeah, it's very haunting. It is so tense, as you said. And it made me think about something else that kind of sadly occurred to me in the finale, which is you spend so much of this show agreeing with Herman and agreeing with the people there who are saying this is bad. And there are a lot of political arguments saying it's not bad. Everything's going to be fine. Sandy Mm -hmm. believes that Lindbergh is good for America and so on. And you're waiting for this moment. You're waiting for them to be proven wrong. And you want it. And you want that feeling. And when it Mm -hmm. happens, it's not what you expected. It hurts. And it's Mm -hmm. sad. And even though it feels inevitable, it still really stings. And it reminds me to be humble about what we perceive today as, as, you know, we sort of predicted a lot of the the awful things that are happening today in, in our world of politics. And 
you know, sometimes I think we're misunderstood as like you're cheering for bad things to happen when instead there is this craving for consensus in a simpler time when we all could agree on certain things. And I think World War II is a very interesting period of time to look at because when we look back on history, we sort of see World War II as a very black and white conflict that, you know, today is seen as like one of the great American periods of history where we won and it seemed like everybody was on the same page. And I really appreciate a show like this that makes it pretty clear that there are always going to be divisions and disagreements in America and you can't take for granted that everyone is going to be on the same moral ground. And mm -hmm. that is what I think the show is getting at. It's saying that you have to be part of the moral ground and you have to rise up and not sit back and expect other people to do the work. And so a mm -hmm. uh, very important show, very well-made show in a lot of ways as we really touched on. And it, also very simple and kind of a small production that is very unassuming but you know you kind of spoke to a lot of the production design the costumes and everything there clicks so well and i guess we didn't talk enough about that because i i do want to geek out about some of the 1940s fashion choices mm -hmm. made here and uh my goodness zoe kazan i don't know if it's because she's a wonderful actress or if, if it's because she just fits this time period so well it's obviously both yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and i i really really want an emmy for her i think that it is the standout mm -hmm. performance here but yeah is there anything you want to finish out on anything that's still burning and uh on your mind with the show i think just go on like off of what you said i am a huge like i adore this era and normally see it portrayed in an idealized way and so i think one of the reasons why i love this show so much is because it doesn't show it in that way and i think it, even though it's fictional it's a lot more realistic than um other shows that have been set in this time period and I really appreciated that. And I think it helped me and it could help others rethink the way we view history and the way that we view how we got to where we are in history today. I think that is spot on. And it's now time for you to watch The Plot Against America if you haven't already and you listen to our spoilers thoughts. Uh, I still think you can get something out of this show if that is you. Uh, I, for one, am looking forward to revisiting this show down the road at some point to see maybe uh, in a, a couple of years after this election year, which we should say, of course. Uh, I'm very curious how this show is going to hold up, especially as its ending message is sort of a are we going to return to quote unquote normalcy? Um, it's kind of fairly obvious that that is sort of the choice on the ballot this year is a return to the previous presidency or is it a continuation of what is currently going on? No matter your political persuasion, I hope people engage with this show and all of its facets and discuss it with other people because I think that it is a very useful measuring stick for how people are feeling and digesting the news uh, in 2020, especially as things are a little bit dire at the moment. Um, mm -hmm. Probably worth pointing out that uh, Plot Against America literally started its entire series as soon as uh, the shelter at home started happening. And so interesting show to binge. I don't know if it's something mm -hmm. that's going to make you feel happy um, in an age where you might want a little bit of an escape. But if you are looking for something engaging and uh, compelling in a lot of ways, this is the show for you. Emily, thank you so much for coming on and talk about this show. We should we should do this more often, a mini-series segment with them. 
Yes, I would love to do that. <laughs> right. I think that uh, every time I watch something, uh, I, I usually look and see. I'm, I have a feeling M saw this because I ended up really liking it. So um, oh. hopefully that's the case <laughs> moving forward. Yeah, I'll come on anytime. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, as always, for listening. And uh, thank you, Emily Kubin-Kanek, for coming on the show. We'll see you on the main show later this week, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. And uh, let us know what you think of The Plot Against America on HBO. Go to cinemahawks.com and go to the comment section. Let us know what you thought of the show and more. <laughs>